Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who have great personalities Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 279 for October 12th, 2015. On today's show, we're talking about finish for a teak shower bench, curved versus hard angles in ductwork, and steamed versus unsteamed walnut. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, SawStop. After more than a decade, SawStop's combination of safety and precision has made them the number one cabinet saw in North America. Use the interactive tools at SawStop.com to build and price your ideal SawStop, and then find a dealer online or near you. Protect yourself today with SawStop. SawStop! There you go. And a special thanks. Wood Dog! Actually, that's great. That's a good idea. Replace that whole beginning thing that we do for our intro and just go, what the fuck? <laughs> All right. It's going um, to be like the rim shot for the show. What the There you go. Uh, special thanks to a few uh, folks who helped us out with donations. Matthew Fisher, uh, Robert Jenkins, and Rob Hoffman. Thank you so much, guys. And if you want to help out too, you can just go to woodtalkshow.com. Look over in the right-hand column and you'll see a few links uh, for a one-time donation or recurring donation. Whatever. We're, we're easy. And, I just uh, sent a bunch of lumber to Rob Hoffman. Did you? He's a lucky man. Well, there you go. Ooh. Well, not if... Well, did he pay for it? <laughs> he did. Yeah. Well, that's not well, luck. He, he would be luckier if he didn't pay for yeah, it if and it was still free. sent it. Free is lucky. Paying for it is just... Well, he paid for it. That's not luck. Mm-hmm. That's just Let's money. Let's just say I knew it was a Wood Talk listener. Oh, Maybe There's yeah. a few extra pieces in there. Extra something. Okay. <laughs> nice. Very, very nice. Uh, you know, also, correction from last week when we announced uh, Joel Laviol... Remember we were messing with the last name? Laviolet? Laviolet? Lavioletti? Yeah, that's not Joe. Joe and these guys, both of them are on, uh, I see them on Facebook all the time and I get them confused all the time. So Joe is the guy who does the the Reddit uh, moderation dude and Joel is just another woodworker guy. So from Joel to Joe, very, very similar names, but that's, uh, so it was Joel last week who sent us a, a few bucks. Uh, to help oh. us out. So correct. So, you know, I guess that means Joe is obligated now, right? Uh, Joe, send us your should money, man. Send him an you invoice. Know, I, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think you actually just misspoke there for a second. They're not just another woodworker. They're a wood talk woodworker. That's so right. that makes them already at a certain uh, higher up level. I think so. I think just so. And by the way, speaking of, of speaking of higher up levels, uh, Matt's back. What? I feel like we leveled up. Oh, man, yeah. I'm yeah, so glad a little to hear bit. that. I thought it was just the voices in my head. Yeah, I have those sometimes. Yeah, after talking, did you have to Phantom for so many Chortles years. the last couple of episodes? Did you <laughs> yes. like hear those? Did you pause for a second? Or like, this is where a chortle would usually go in. It's been tough without you, man. I mean, a lot of people uh, they may not realize how that like how core each one of us is to the show. And when one is gone, we're like we just limp along and try to get it done. But it just does not feel the same. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that, and uh, I know that there were a few people out there that were like, "Yes, finally, I got my wish." The little bastard. Gone. Yeah, well, sorry to disappoint, but he's back. And uh, hopefully for the next few shows. Again, scheduling is always going to be tricky uh, with until I guess until your training period and all that stuff settles down for the new job, but we'll we'll That's try right. to be as consistent as possible. Yeah, and you know, and my, my new work is already tired of me answering woodworking questions for them that they didn't even ask. They'll ask a question <laughs> that is related to the actual job, and then I will spin it into something woodworking, and then they just sit there and go. This is going to be a long four months. Dude, what would be hilarious is if any questions that come into you at your job, you put them into a spreadsheet and then once a week, you just pick one to answer and you record a podcast and send it to your boss. 
That'd be great. You know, it's really great. And this will go a little bit along with uh, the ductwork question that's going to be addressed this uh, in today's episode is I happened to where I was doing a little uh, training this past week. I turned around behind me and here's this whole laboratory and they have ductwork hooked up to some of the machines because there is actually a machining uh, area in the in the building. And I remember just watching that going, you know. I like the angles they have on that. I wonder what the size dust collector they have on it. And I was like trying to see if my card would act, give me access to that area. Turns out, no. Apparently, I need to know one more person before I can get in there. But my nose oil or whatever from my face is smeared from one end of the glass all the way to the other as I followed along that ductwork. <laughs> nice. That must well, look you know, if Hollywood's taught me anything, you can gain access to that room through the ductwork. Oh, well, there you go. What yeah. I usually do is I just wait for uh, uh, one or two individuals who uh, are about my same size. Uh, and then once they go through the door, I just pretend like I'm their shadow and I'm trying <laughs> to sneak in right behind them. They'll never notice. That's right. See, people who want new ductwork need to do what we just do with the lumberyard. They don't take down the old ductwork. They just disconnect it and run new stuff next to it. We've got <laughs> – it's like the history of ductwork in our mill. It's like, uh, where it's does like this a, pipe go? Well, nowhere actually. It used to go to that dust collector over there, but that one doesn't work anymore. So we just hooked up another one and ran more ductwork. It's like when yeah. you see the uh, houses that have like five satellite dishes on there. <laughs> right. And every time they re-signed up for like DirecTV, they get a new dish. <laughs> so, are, is, are you running out of like ceiling space? It seems like after a while, like you're just going to like, we're finally going to have to remove that yeah. first generation and start back there again. Although that first generation, that antiquity of the ductwork actually would probably work for us. Could. Yeah. It might. I wish I could say it was the first generation that was still up. I think the first generation's at the back of the yard, like in the mud. Nice. Where it belongs, I guess. Uh, all right, let's get to what's on the bench. I'll go first. And I'm still working on a gaming dining table, plugging along, just trying to, to get things done. Usually I'm pretty good about getting ahead of time. Like, uh, so I'll be producing videos and releasing videos on work that I did maybe two weeks ago. I'm as real time as it gets. Like the video I released today is the work I did yesterday. It's so refreshing to see that because that's how I end up working all the time. Yeah. And you, you've always disgusted me with your like preparation and like, you know, getting stuff done weeks ahead of time. Thinking ahead of time and stuff. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's just something I have to do. And uh, it's very difficult to, to go at this pace for me because any little hiccup I have could put me behind a week, you know, and that's why I like to have that little bit of buffer room there. Uh, So I'm working on the rails at this point and these rails for the tables are kind of, kind of cool because they're not uh, your typical rails or aprons for a table. They've got slots in them for accessories. There's a a groove on the inside. That's going to be for this bottom panel to make up the recessed area for the gaming surface. And uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I was playing with a T slot bit from Rockler so that I could use T bolts that you could sort of just slide in and that's going to allow us to attach the accessory plates and move them along the rail. So uh, no real surprises there. Everything went well. The cherry milled up just fine and, you know, works like a dream. That's why we like cherry and uh, it's coming along. So really beyond that, that was about it It was rails all week. And uh, it's again, just trying to find enough shop time uh, to get everything done. So, you know, I'm most excited for the last video in that series. So am I, because that means I'm done. You know, I just, I'm, I'm anticipating I'm like a, new, a new Wood Whisperer podcast that's going to have a gaming, you know, bent oh, yeah. to it. And it's going to be like a Will Wheaton show, uh, Tabletop. T- yeah, okay. That'd be good. I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, we're going to probably, uh, especially with, you know, having a kid that's like four years old, he's just now starting to get into some of these other board games and things like that. And I'll teach him, you know, some of the cool ones that we like to play. Uh, and I, well, we just had, you know, a lot of times board games, you can only really have a lot of fun if you've got at least four people. So that's kind of why we had another kid. 
<laughs> you know, exactly. So, so we you actually have to have, balance that out. You, yeah. you know, the funny part is, is I know you're totally serious. Yeah. Well, there's some strategy <laughs> With to your it. family. You know, as, as as much as you guys are into gaming, that yeah. would actually motivate the fourth child. Yes, right? exactly. So we got a little while before she's ready to play, but uh, you know, that's building this table ahead of time. You know. So it'll well, be. You good. Know, I, I always wanted to do it. We had we had our fourth one just so that uh, while we're in the car, at least you have like that cross looking. So like when I look back, somebody will be right there in my periphery versus me having to really crank my head behind me to talk to the individual <laughs> behind me. So like Sam, Samantha and I can both turn our heads just the right way and see a child. We can blame that child for anything that's going wrong in the back seat. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a good justification just to avoid uh, neck strain. I like that. Right, absolutely. Yeah, you got you have to even out the blame as they start getting a little bit older. Right. You know, when you were talking about all those T bolts and stuff, I don't know why. Maybe it's the the, the A team fan of me, but every time I hear somebody talking about like a, a a T bolt and stuff like that, I always like want to put Mister T in front of it. Like it's a Mister T bolt. Ah, pity the fool that's not using a jig with a T bolt. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's probably uh, what I'll think of from now on. Back, God, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, it's like putting on an old pair of underwear. That's right. Yeah, probably stained. Clean, you know clean, clean, but stained. That's right. Yeah. All yeah, right. Nice dried stain. There you go. All right, Matt. So, uh, what else has been going on with you? Well, of course, the main thing is just the fact that I have been traveling for the new job. But as a result, I do have this amazing thing called Home Office Fridays, and I'm I'm loving this. Technically, Hey-o. I'm supposed to be doing some work, so I am doing some work in case any of my coworkers somehow discover that I do this show. <laughs> I am doing some work. In fact, right now, as I'm talking to you guys, I'm looking up what I'm supposed to be doing for the next week and getting ready to do some travel plans simultaneously. But more importantly for the woodworker and me, this is a great opportunity to start creating some office stuff that I desperately need, like like some shelves. I did a couple of shelves to put my books and my, my paperwork on, and I needed to make some sort of desk organizer. I had talked about this earlier in the summer that this was something I was playing around with. Well, now I have a really, really fantastic excuse to do it because I was looking at some of the stuff you can get like at those home office supply stores and stuff. And mm-hmm. while they are neat and have a very modern flair to them, they just – they're too plasticky. They really are. Plastic and metal mesh type right. stuff. Yeah, yeah and that like mesh, that. I know I'm going to accidentally stick something through it and then it's going to get ripped and I'm going to cut myself. It's going to bleed all over the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be good. Cool. I look forward to it. So office projects coming soon. Yes, definitely. So we'll see how that works cool. out. In fact, I might even I might even turn my own pen, which might be my first thing because I have a big meeting coming up and I don't want to just walk in with like one of those regular Bics. I want to have something kind of nice. You want to really wow them with your writing utensil. That's right. And then I'm going to walk right up to the uh, the CEO and be like, this is for you. Can I get a bonus? <laughs> a gift for you. I made it myself. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be friends forever. Nice. Can you get me access to that lab where I can see the ductwork? <laughs> right. Cool. So anyways, that's what's been going on with me. Now, Shannon, I know for a fact that you had something big happen in the shop recently, but uh, is that why you want to squash all your productivity (laughs) right now? Well, I I did just have a new garage door installed, which is kind of a long time coming. The old one, uh, I believe, was the original door in 1966. Wow. Uh, So it leaked like a sieve. Um, You know, certainly atmosphere but also sound it was just amazing how much sound came in and went out and uh like you guys it's part woodshop part film studio so that's kind of a big deal um last week's show and the leaf blower mm-hmm. yeah that's my life when i'm trying to record in the shop Oy, that was <laughs> um, loud but too. you know more importantly certainly is the temperature stuff um you know i could actually see daylight 
peeking around the doors because <laughs> it was just this huge gap. So now it's been all insulated. I've got like the whatever highest insulation rating they make in a garage door, That's which great. is really nice. nice. And it's got windows. So there's actually some new daylight coming through, which will be a problem when I film, but I think I'm going right. with that. <laughs> um, but it, it was interesting. I what completely remodeled my shop, I guess, last summer, a year ago. So it hasn't been that long. But in order to prepare the shop for the guys to put in the door, I had to move everything to the other side of the shop. It is amazing how much crap I have. You know, the shop was completely emptied and and filled in and organized and everything. And yet there's still crap stuck in corners and just amazing amounts of just dirt and just stuff in that Mm. one little area of the shop by the door. Just moving that out of the way, it was startling to find out how much <laughs> stuff I had accumulated nice. back there. So I guess it just goes to show you I need to do some sort of shop move at least once every year in order to prevent things from getting out of control. But what this comes down to, and then this is more a question for you guys, I'm on this uh, this blanket chest and frankly really enjoying it, but just life, the other job, all that stuff has gotten in the way and I'm getting like less the least amount of shop time I've gotten in a long, long time. So I'm so anxious to get in there and work on this thing, but it just can't. So what ends up happening is my mind starts to wander and I start thinking about new projects. Don't do it. And there's this built in bookshelf that needs to be built in our master bedroom. And I keep thinking, well, you know, I've already got the plywood. It's actually taking up space in my shop. Maybe I'll just get started on that. And I've gone so far as I've got like a SketchUp model put together and, you know, I'm getting that like, new project excitement like oh i can't wait to get started on this and then it's like oh yeah there's that other project oh i really want to get back to work on that but then yeah. oh but this built-in and i just I, I i've got to fight the urge because it's i'm awful at that i'll end up with like seven things on the bench don't do going it. at once and oh it's so bad for my productivity no i i don't recommend doing it uh, for me personally, I, I, I cannot do that. Like I have to finish a thought before starting a new one. So if there's any, like any family project comes along, like, Oh, you got to do this real quick. It, there's very little chance that it's going to be squeezed in before the other one is done. Uh, it's uh, just so frustrating when you can't actually get the time to get in there and work on it. But yet, you know, we all have that 15 minutes here and there. Yeah, we know yeah. you can't really get to the shop, but you know, oh, well let's go. As I always call SketchUp the woodworking video game, you know, Oh, let's go play this game. And now suddenly there's this new project. Wow. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of having that issue right now myself as I'm traveling back and forth. You know, I've got this great pair of noise canceling headphones so I can actually concentrate versus on the, the roar of the engine just outside the, the window because I usually get that particular seat. And that's what I, I just keep like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. When am I going to do that? Because I can't do it in the <laughs> hotel room. So, yeah, I'm feeling your pain because as soon as I get back, in fact, that's one of the things I'm wrestling with right now is again, this list right here is like, do this, do this, do this. Dang it. I can't. <laughs> just me. listening, just listening to you, Matt, I'm thinking, Ooh, yeah, I could do some stuff. Cause I'm actually moving offices, um, down the hall into an entirely different desk. Um, very, very streamlined, excited about it, but it's like, Ooh, you know, I could do something hmm. to keep this in or this in. So I hear Matt go, Ooh, office projects. And then suddenly I'm like, Oh, I could do that. <laughs> right. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help, uh, your frustration right there. You're more than welcome. <laughs> All right. Let's move into what's new. Uh, first one here was sent to us by Paul. What's the Netherlands? Is that part of his name or he's from the Actually, Netherlands? Actually, he's uh, Netherland Paul. He's from the Netherlands. <laughs> okay. Well, there you which go. Which is a country on the other side of the Atlantic. Netherland Paul. And I mean like the type that hold backwater. 
You sure? At the ride bikes. Are you sure? All right. Well, uh, Paul says, hey, guys, I'm not sure how long this video has been going around uh, and if you've seen it before or not, but I wanted to share it because it reminded me of the discussion you had earlier this year about IKEA using solid wood for their products. Do you reckon this is how they keep up with the demand? And it's uh, incredible. Now, I've seen videos like this on those machines that go at the top of the tree uh, and the tree's still standing, and then they just go, right? And they just yeah. munch it up and turn it basically into mulch. Um, this is a little bit different. This is this weird thing that's suspended from a uh, like a boom arm type thing, and it's picking up the felled tree, uh, sort of scraping off any of the branches along the, the primary trunk, and then slicing the trunk into specific lengths as it goes. So it's felling the tree, cleaning it, and then cutting it into the appropriate size logs. And it's very compact for what it does. It doesn't look like, I mean, I'm sure it's huge, um, but it's just this little sort of bulbous looking thing that that has so much going on in it to be able to do that. It's just amazing and it's super efficient. Um, so you have to check it out. It's a video that's actually on Facebook. I don't know if the video exists elsewhere, but uh, we'll put the link there for the Facebook link. Yeah, you know, if you really want to watch something similar to this, like there's a whole season of it. It's called Axemen. It's on the History Channel. And occasionally, uh, apparently when they get really bored of watching the guys pulling up their pants constantly with suspenders, falling down limbs, stuff like that, they'll show these things and talk about how they're ruining the rest of the uh, industry for the Axemen themselves. Oh, really? Yes. Ooh, I guess so. Yes. I mean, it's awfully efficient. So yep. you only need one guy behind a you know, machine operating that thing. So, wow. Exactly. Yeah. You can either have like four or five guys out in the field, potentially having giant <laughs> logs fall on them because they're not paying attention. Or you could have this one person doing it all for you at once. It's impressive though. Impressive yeah, technology, it's, whether it's good for people's jobs is a whole nother thing, but it's definitely impressive. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you think we can get one for the shop. <laughs> you want one yeah. for the shop? Yeah, do you think we could get like a sponsor that would like allow each the three of us to have that and we'll just go through our neighborhoods? Well, not so much for you. Maybe you could take down some jobs. I'll be taking down I'll something. be taking down some uh, really nice palm trees. See, see, the, the problem with that, like if you ever go out, I don't know about you guys, but if I go out and I prune branches or whatever, it it's somewhat like it's very fulfilling. It matches everyone's inner OCD. And before you know it, you're like, oh, I cut off too much. You know, well, let me just prune that a little bit. And yeah. you keep pruning and pruning because it's very satisfying. I think if I had one of those, there would be a problem in the neighborhood. Yeah, you might That's get why I'm not allowed to do bonsai trees anymore. It just goes down to bonsai <laughs> uh, stem. Uh, Matt, that's just a stick now. So yeah. you, you can stop. But look at the uniformity and symmetry. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so it'll, zen. It'll grow back. It's, it is Groot. There you go. Okay, so have you guys heard yep. that Amazon now has a handmade section? Nope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. just this week, actually. Um, yesterday, maybe. I don't know. Depends on when people listen to this. I'm going to go look but, at it. Uh, Amazon.com slash handmade. Um, basically, Amazon is taking a shot at Etsy. And, you know, th there's uh, all kinds of, I don't know if you call it controversy, niche controversy springing up about, you know, um, Amazon's a big corporation. What do they know about handmade? But I, I took a close look at this, and Amazon is, is I don't know how close. Well, yeah, they're closely vetting. They don't just let anybody show up. So Etsy, you can show up, create an account, and list stuff, right? And they charge you like 20 cents per listing, and I think 2 or 3% of the total sale. Amazon, you have to apply to sell wow. on Amazon Handmade. They don't charge you per listing, but they charge, I think, 12% of the total sales. Obviously, it's, it's a bigger service fee, which has some people up in arms, and we all know the profit margins are really tight on handmade stuff. But it's, it's interesting. It doesn't seem that Amazon 
is necessarily looking for, you know, Grandma Betsy and her uh, Renews It Air Freshener Angel <laughs> felt angel she's making, um, or even Joe Woodworker making, you know, boxes. It seems to me it's almost like you got to be a business, or at least you've got to go through this application process and be vetted to make sure that, um, say you do go viral or hit it big, can you actually continue to produce? They even want to know, like, are you making it? Like, you have to make it, and they want to know exactly what tools you're using as well to kind of protect the whole handmade thing. Um, And I didn't know this, but apparently Etsy's fallen under fire lately because they now allow you to outsource. So if you get really, really famous on Etsy and suddenly you've got 3 billion orders, you can actually outsource your production, which kind of defeats the point, doesn't it? So apparently Amazon's taking that really seriously. And I I, I looked around, you know, there's a furniture section. I think it's mostly jewelry and stuff like that now, but there's something like 80,000 products when it went live and 5,000 vendors. So this is, this is Etsy, you know, on crack basically. Uh, I mean, Amazon's a huge machine. They are the largest retailer in the world. They passed Walmart now. So I don't know. I, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about this. You know, the, the service fee is certainly higher, but my God, if Amazon's getting into this, what does that tell you about the handmade movement? You know, that could be really, really good for us. This looks good. I'm just kind of nosing around and uh, there's a furniture maker on there, Wild at Heartwood LLC. He's got a couple of like slab tables, some boxes. And what I like the most about it is the prices. Uh, the table is like two, yeah. two grand. This little uh, this little box, like tiny box, uh, is a hundred bucks. Um, and well, these, you know, and that's the kind of thing. Like it's when you see this stuff, and it's got a twenty five dollar price tag on it, right. and you know the amount of work that went into it. Uh, just kind of, I don't like that. I don't think that's good for for this well, kind of movement. That's what's going to be interesting. Is is um, I I credit Heather for this. My wife, she's the one who told me this was happening, and I started looking into it. Yeah. But Heather's first impression was, "Wow, it's expensive." So you know, and she loves Etsy. Although she doesn't really buy much in Etsy, but she loves just like looking through it. Sure. So I'm wondering for, you know, for us, we're like, oh, it's great to see these prices. They're finally pricing it appropriately. You got to wonder, though, if the general public's going to look at this and go, what? You know, well, that's that's a good question. What? I mean, that's the surprising thing that Amazon would get involved in something like this, because, you know, what does Amazon, you know, sort of hang its hat on is low yeah. prices and low overhead to be able to provide those prices. Um, this is not something they're still granting like free shipping to prime customers through handmade. If you're a prime customer and you buy on handmade, you still get free shipping. I wonder if it, it depends though. I looked at one of like the <laughs> right, ta- one of those tables. One of the tables did have a shipping thing on there and I'm a prime member. I don't see any reference to prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says 250 bucks shipping, but That's either, either way, this, this is cool. It's interesting to see right. where, where something like this goes. Cause these prices are certainly not what you would expect in an Amazon labeled environment. No, absolutely not. It, maybe this is just a signal that they're trying to, I don't know. I, I was going to say, like, take it to another level. Like, they're looking for a very particular audience or something, but 
who knows? One thing I, I one thing I was kind of curious, and I'm kind of looking at one of these things also. I don't see it in here, so this is going to answer my own question. But you know, you were describing Shannon that they are asking like, what tools did you use? What were the materials used? There's a part in that was almost wonder if wondering if they were going to do something like, here's the tools involved. Those are also available on Amazon.com. Uh, in the links, and we'll smart. be able to sell those to you. That'd be they real should. smart. Why wouldn't they? You know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. There was that part. Heck, of was wondering. We do it through our Amazon affiliates. Now, here's right. a question: How long do you think it's going to take before the furniture Furniture section is nothing but reclaimed and pallet wood furniture. Oh, I'm going to give that at least six months. I'm going to say six months before finally somebody throws that in there. And I don't know why. It's just an arbitrary number. Six months is what I always throw out with <laughs> people. Your, How long is it going to take you to build that? About six months. About six months. About six months. I mean, just because of the popularity of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, look at Pinterest. Yeah, I mean, again, Amazon would be silly not to do that because it is so popular. Yep. But based on what's in there now... You know, I mean, this is, this is, these are legit furniture makers. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the great thing is they've got their makers with very contemporary designs. And and they've got their little pictures, gives it, tells you what state they're from. There's like a air of legitimacy to it all. So you can kind of go and check them out, see what else they do. But looking at these prices, $1,500, $1,400, this is interesting to watch. Yeah. Cool stuff. Good find. So, I'd be curious to hear from from the audience, you know, what your thoughts are on this. I, I can't find anything bad about it. Well, I know? would also love to hear someone who tries to get into it. I know folks who listen to us sell their products. I'd love to see if this is difficult to get into or like how selective are they being and what's the criteria uh, yeah. that they're using like to a, make those you decisions. You have to have a certain number of products before you can be a seller. and Or like how do they know that you're, I mean, we're talking about handmade stuff and a lot of it's going to be made to order. How do they verify that you're actually going to make it or is it a self sort of a self-policed system kind of like uh anywhere else etsy and ebay where you're just rated poorly then you know yeah no one's gonna buy from you yeah well maybe they'll have a secret uh shopper and then that person will <laughs> report back and be like i know for a fact this was not handmade yeah. um <laughs> yeah so if i sign up there'll be um more than just matt staring through those new windows in the garage door there'll be some <laughs> right. amazon rep poking his head there in there. There'll be a little drone that will just drop down very quiet. It's a little <laughs> bit like a black drone, you know, and you won't hear it and it'll just be staring at you. There you go. All right, let's move into our kickback. Uh, first one here is from Dan. Matt, you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Dan said, and I'm assuming this was nothing I talked about, so nope. it had to be you guys. Uh, yep. He says, on the screws versus cut nails versus wire nails, that's a, that's a threesome in there, folks. That's like, a, that's, that's like a hat trick. Though I think this is more carpentry than woodworking, there are times when nails are much better than screws. And this is because the metal in them is softer, so they do not shear off as readily. And this is why, at least until more modern high-performance screws were available, you needed to use nails to attach things like joist hangers. They have more give and don't snap off as readily, meaning they are stronger in that use. Does that nice. sound familiar to you guys? Uh, well, yeah, we had a topic about uh, nails and um, cut nails. and yeah, When to use them, when not to use yeah. them. Right. See, I, I didn't listen to the last couple of episodes because I knew you guys were going to have way too much fun without me, and I just couldn't <laughs> handle that personally right now. You were traveling, oh. man. You should have been listening. Yeah. But, but I know. I, I we... was trying to. I did need something to help me go to sleep, and I knew it wasn't going to be you guys. Oh, sure. Yeah. In sure. fact, I think we actually dedicated one of the shows to you. Oh, that's Pretty sweet. Sure I'm going to have to go back. It's so insulting. Yeah, traveling, Matt. What a jerk. All right. Well, I, All right. I, I wanted to be able to you know, listen at an appropriate time. There you go. When you, you were alone? <laughs> yes. All right. This comes from Brian. He says, here's a little kickback. I currently own the beadlock system, the $30 one, and it is not worth the money. The pro version might be better. The problem I have is alignment. 
When I assemble my parts, the reference marks never line up. Whoops. I say go with a router. Uh, so he agrees with us, Mark. Well, we there you go. We weren't just being elitist, poo-pooing yeah. his beadlock system. It was not unjustified. Right. But he does ask us, because we did mention it briefly, he said, how would you use a router on ingrain when you have a workpiece that is seven feet long? Don't, don't, Mark, don't you had ask talked that. about jigs of some sort. Don't so. ask that question. That's Don't ask that. Um, <laughs> it's it's it, He's right. It's going to be a challenge on a seven-foot-long workpiece. How often are you working on a seven-foot-long workpiece is, is the question. You know. So generally speaking, though, if you had to, yeah, it's tough. I mean, because most people can't position a jig at the very end of a seven foot long piece. So you probably would need to come up with some alternative method. And thankfully those things exist like, you know, integral integral tenon. (laughs) Uh, That would be the most logical thing to do or some other joinery solution. Um, So yeah, seven foot long, I probably wouldn't bother with that. Um, Just trying to think if there's any other way you could, even if you try to use the router table, there's no, there's no safe way to make that happen. Uh, Yeah. But I mean, you, you build a jig of some sort that has like a saddle that slips over the end of the board. Right. Um, and that's going to work a platform for, on it. Right. Anything like five feet or less, you're probably going to get away with being able to do that. And if you need to get a step stool, you know, clamp it to your, your leg vice on your bench or whatever, uh, position this thing on the top and you can get it done. Uh, but seven foot long, yeah, you start to, you start to push the limits of what you can do with, uh, yeah. end grain routing like that. So, yeah, I mean, I just made a queen size bed and that was probably the longest rail. Well, other than my bench. Mm-hmm. It was the longest part that I've ever dealt with. And it was, uh, what, 66 inches? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, beds are kind of, when it comes to furniture anyway, they get into the, the, the larger parts that you have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and that's actually about the size I'm dealing with for the gaming table right now. The long rails on this piece are pretty long. Uh, and what did I do? Integral tenons, table saw, boom, done. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of have to morph and adjust to whatever the project dictates. Because sometimes you just can't do it the way you would normally do it on smaller pieces. Right. You have to get very creative and start thinking sideways, literally. Yes. But interesting, though. Um, I'm curious if anyone loves the beadlock. That's what I really want to hear because we crapped on it and it sounds like he's not a big <laughs> fan. So I'd love to hear anyone who uses it uh, routinely and has good results with it because uh, we want to be fair and balanced. Yeah, <laughs> we won't make so, fun of you. We promise. Yeah. So we're a news agency? Uh, yes, actually, no. Uh, okay. All right. Email. I think we got no no voicemail today. Uh, First email here is from Eric. He says, I was recently asked by my mother-in-law to build a shower bench using some teak that she has for some outdoor furniture. I don't make any money on these family projects, but it'll be an excuse to get my first planer for cleaning up the older teak. Very nice. Good idea. Uh, My question is about the finish. It may be a long way before I get there, but what would you recommend as far as finish options for a teak shower bench and why? Okay. Why? 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 Hoisky. All right. So for me, this is actually something that uh, I've fairly recently demonstrated on the show. I did the outdoor sitting bench, the one with the little slat top. Mm-hmm. And uh, beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I used epiphanes on that. And I've anyone who's paid attention to Wood Whisper stuff for a while knows that when it comes to outdoor projects, I really do like epiphanes as a uh, good thick varnish sealer for the top of any outdoor project. And it really does last a long time. And it's, uh, you know, you could go to Home Depot and pick up a Helmsman spar urethane or something like that. But uh, for feedback that I've received from people, experiments I've done myself, the stuff just, it just doesn't hold up as well. So uh, Epiphanes is pricey, but I think it's totally worth it. So the the sort of bulletproof finish that you may want to look into involves using an epoxy sealer first, 
uh, CPES, Clear Penetrating Epoxy Sealer, and following up with coats of Epiphanes. And then uh, on this most recent project, I actually used one of their matte formulations uh, of Epiphanes and used that as the very last top coat. Because if there's one thing I cannot stand, it's like excessively glossy, thick finishes. I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it looks good. So having that matte on top, but not not matte Vanderlist, having a matte finish on top. Hey, I can be on top of it if you want me to, but it's just going to get in the way of seeing the wood. Yeah, getting a matte on top is a lot like having a cherry on top of the sundae. <laughs> it really yeah, is. A it does big cherry. Take them to a whole juicy. new level. Uh, yeah. So anyway, use the matte finish stuff on top. That'll tone it down so it doesn't look as loud uh, and bright as those uh, clear finishes can. And I think that's going to do a really good job. Now, just as a frame of reference, I had an old zebra wood bench that I made that was intended for indoor use. And Nicole said, hey, this is nice and narrow. This is really heavy. I think this would be a perfect shower bench. Uh, and she likes to use it to like put her leg up to, to shave her legs or whatever chicks do in the shower. Um, so uh, she's like, can we use that? And I said, well, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, number one, I don't know how well zebra wood's going to do in the shower. Uh, number two, it's only got poly on it. But you know what I could do? I could really like just slather on some Epiphanes. And this one, I just went Epiphanes gloss, didn't use the epoxy, didn't use the matte. Uh, and I put on four or five coats and that thing's been in the shower for over a year now. Uh, and other than having water spots on it, which I could just kind of wipe off, it's holding up great, you know? So, uh, and that thing gets, you know, used every day and gets soaked every day and then dries off. And that repeated cycle hasn't really done any major damage to it. Um, so you don't have to go well, as crazy as I did on the outdoor bench, but I the, think that's the key though, is yeah. it's not being submerged for long periods at a time. It's getting wet. Yeah. And then the water's running off and drying. Yep. You know, where you really have to worry about is is the the feet where they contact the shower pan. But even then the shower pan should be draining, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, and it's all sort of uh the tile on the floor is kind of, you know, angled toward the drain. So right. the water doesn't yeah. stand anywhere in there. I mean, the best thing he could do is use teak, and that's what he's doing. So yeah, yeah it's got a good, good on you, Eric. Good foundation in the wood species and then a good finish on top. That thing's gonna be pretty much bulletproof. That's right. But more importantly, this is a great excuse, as you said, to get your first planer. So good on you. That's a win-win yeah. right there. All right, Matt, you're up. All right. Well, this question came in from Ben. And as we alluded to earlier, we're going to have a question about dust collection. And it is this one right here. He says, quick question about ducting layout. Since I'm getting conflicting information, not like this question, is that this answer is going to be any less conflicting. But uh, he says, I know of a few you have had several – a few of you have had several experiences on setting up and resetting up ducting. I think he's actually referring to you, Mark, with all your various shops that you've had in the past what? few years. What? I've only had one. Shout out. I, it's actually Shannon, yeah, because Shannon's had several brooms that he's gone right, through. Right, Shannon. Yes, yeah. So uh, Ben goes on to say, a few tools are away from the direction of the main line of my dust collection that goes across the shop. I can either make a 90-degree turn. I know you're supposed to avoid, but I can make – a semi less sharp 90 degrees from the start of the line and shoot straight out at the tools or I can make a gentle long half circle that loops around the ceiling of my shop from the beginning of the line uh, same spot to the circle you will have no will have longer to travel but less sharp turns that's not okay. confusing at all just no no not a, let's, let's, so the circle so wait, will is have there a train that goes on top of that, that would yes be cool. there's a train leaving from chicago and another one that's <laughs> leaving from boston and if they meet somewhere around cincinnati at um okay so really what it comes down to is when it comes to duct work 
the main thing, as Ben kind of alluded in here, he said he's uh, read about this and we've talked about this. And we've all had the experience. The main thing is you do want to avoid those sharp turns. So some people will be very uh, thinking that they want to have like a 90 degree turn a T at a area where it's going to branch off to say a tool or maybe off to another set of tools. And you really, really want to avoid those. You want maybe a nice Y, if anything, or like a nice little angle that's in there that's that's going to be that angle would actually shoot towards the dust collector itself. Now, in regards to that circle, that actually would be really, really good because it's a nice soft turn. So therefore, the airflow is not going to be dramatically altered like it would be with any of those sharp angular turns. But the big issue that I see in this is the fact that he's indicating that that circle will actually be longer to travel. So therefore, that could potentially kind of negate the whole thing in the first place. If and that, that seems makes like sense. An, that seems like an odd concept to me as well, to have the, the ductwork just sort of be a soft semicircle as it goes around the room. Yeah. Right. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen that before. I don't, I mean, that, I know obviously we're avoiding really sharp turns and the more you soften them and you make it a, you know, a wider turn, the better, but you're trying to avoid that to begin with. So it just seems like a long semicircle not only would be hard to make with ductwork, but it just doesn't seem like it'd be as effective as straight lines with Y offshoots where you need them. Yeah, I have a yeah. feeling with that extra line of travel, you actually probably would end up, they would almost probably be identical. Because, you know, with, with, with the dust collecting system, you know, once you get out so far, once it has to travel so far, it starts minimizing some of the suction that you're getting in there. Mm. So you just might be better off going more with that straight shoot, avoiding the 90 degree turns, maybe having, again, like those nice soft Ys in there or something, making sure that everything's kind of pointing back towards the dust collector. It probably will, will even itself out and you'll probably save a little money from not having to buy as much duct work. You well, know, a, a big he- benefit. He hasn't, maybe he's thought about this already, but couldn't you just move the tool? Like what he's saying is I can make a 90 degree turn or I can start at the, at the source and make a sharp, slightly less 90 degree turn. Right. So if you're doing that, maybe if you move the tool, like, you know, a foot one way, maybe that slightly less 90 degree turn now becomes more of a Y. Um, or maybe maybe just the way that he has his shop set up, he might be one of those people that are like, I am not moving things. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's assume always. he can't move his tools because that just right. makes this very confusing. Uh, you know, the the one thing to keep in mind, I mean, this is what I didn't mind. You have to do these whys early, right? Because if you mm-hmm. wait till you're at the point that the tool exists and you would want to make that sharp 90, that's not the place to put your junction point. You want to be like four feet in front of that, start the Y so that the offshoot comes out at a slight angle, and then you could turn it a little bit more with, um, you know, you don't need the full 90 degree turns. You can get elbows that are, uh, uh, you know, smaller or a larger radius but don't necessarily give you the full 90 degree turn. Um, There's a lot of options out there, but if you take that Y early and it starts to shoot out to where that tool exists, then you've cut out a significant portion of the angle that you have to make, the turn you have to make when you actually get to the tool. Um, So start, start those Y's early, early and often. Early and often. That's right. Yeah. Just (laughs) like some of the things with your children, it's important to start those habits very early and often. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and a a big thing with this, and I'm sure this is actually going to happen because the way he's describing this is uh, keep the ductwork as large as you possibly can early on and don't start getting it smaller until you get closer to the tool. And then also that rigid uh, ductwork is going to make a huge difference uh, versus the flexible kind because, I don't know about you guys, but I turn on my dust collector and it suddenly goes from 10 feet of hosing down to about like three and a half. What the heck was that noise? 
Oh, sorry, my stomach. I'm home early. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just called my windows are open and a big truck drove by. Oh, there you go. And I was too slow on the mute button. Nice. Oh, Shannon. All right. I know, I know. You're up, Shannon, anyway. Okay. Well, this comes from Andy. And hmm, I, I feel like I've answered this question before, so I apologize if I did. But uh, he says, I'm working with live edge slabs of walnut, making an injury bench and a few tables. I've had to search high and low to find a lumber supplier that could provide four quarter and eight quarter unsteamed walnut stock. It seems most suppliers stock the steam stuff, and many seem confused when I ask if they have unsteamed. I prefer, I much prefer the natural color variations. Is there some reason that steamed walnut seems to be so common? I would think the extra process of steaming would add to the cost. Am I missing something or making a poor choice in choosing unsteamed walnuts? And finally, are there other woods that are regular steam for color homogenization? Um, that's one too many questions, Andy, so um, I'm sorry. Your, to, your answer is negated immediately. Disqualified. Right. Just have to cut this off. Um, uh, beach is certainly steamed all the time. There's uh, most of those uh, European beach and any beach is steamed often just for um, to try to get as, as white as it can. And, and for the same reason, to do the same thing with walnut, not to get it as white, but to try to blend the colors a little bit more. Um, this is a clear example of we woodworkers and furniture makers have such a small minority of the business that they, they, they really don't care. <laughs> so most of the people using walnut are using it in larger scale type things, paneling and moldings and things like that, um, or production lines, doors and um, furniture lines where you need things to match within like the furniture set. Um, so the steaming mellows out a lot of that color variation in walnut, but it also blurs the line between heartwood and sapwood. And that's the real key is it doesn't take that really, really creamy sapwood and turn it brown, but the stuff in between where the brown starts to get a little bit lighter and lighter and lighter, that darkens up quite a bit more. And so it's, it's certainly, it's about controlling color variation, but it's more about total usable product. Walnut is a very um, curmudgeonly tree. It, uh, it does not grow really heartily. It does not grow really, really tall and straight and, and wide with clear stock. You know, it can grow wide, but it's got all kinds of knots and branches and all kinds of stuff in it. So when it comes to actually getting a usable piece of stock out of that board, uh, you're really, really limited to the point where walnut grading is actually different from all other woods because of the fact that the tree just is not very hardy. So FAS walnut is not the same percentage of clear as FAS cherry. So in order to stretch that, we started steaming it to kind of get more usable wood out of those center sections that uh, are somewhat straight. Um, the other thing is, is it's not really more expensive to do it. Um, all you're doing is while you're kiln drying the wood, you're injecting a little bit more steam. It's just a different recipe, if you will, for drying the lumber. So it's going through a process that would happen whether you steamed it or didn't steam it. It's still going to go into the kiln to dry. You just use the different process when drying it in order to um, mellow the colors, if you will. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to find a lot. You're going to find unsteamed walnut generally at a sawmill that is, you know, cutting for like live edge type slabs and things like that. Um, guys that are sawing for like furniture makers, um, not at a commercial place that's selling to other people. Right. Good stuff. 
All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can just head to woodtalkshow.com. Look over in the left, it used to be left, right-hand column. uh, And there are some donation links where you could help us out. And uh, you could also go to twwstore.com and pick yourself up a beautiful Wood Talk t-shirt. You can go to iTunes, leave us a review. That's always appreciated. Just look us up in the iTunes store. uh, Click on ratings and reviews. Give us that sweet five-star rating, just like Prom Inc. did. And he says, I'm leaving a five-star review despite the double insults from a recent show. You ready for this, Shannon? I think think we screwed up here. He says, I first hear Mark insult me by stating that scroll saw work is the woodworking equivalent of knitting. I knew I knew that was coming. <laughs> I listened Mark, to these words no, as I no. was. Yeah, we got. Well, you know what? When you're not here, we get a little bit. Uh, I don't know. The two of us, a little off color sometimes. Yeah, we usually rely on you for that, right, Matt? And I was going to say, here, I'm like, yeah. I, I, the, you guys are only. I'm, well, obviously, you guys put things in perspective that you know woodworkers to pick up on right away. <laughs> I at least say something that people go, "What?" See, but now with the new and improved Matt, who doesn't care what people think is going to be a whole lot more entertaining on the show. It, I assure what people you. What you don't realize is Mark has actually like uh, done a whole bunch of editing right now. You would be amazed at how many people I offended in this episode. <laughs> what I've already cut <laughs> out of the show. Yeah. Uh, so he goes on and says, I listened to these words as I was cutting a wood bowl out of my scroll saw that was promptly followed by Shannon stating that you're not a woodworker if you've never cut a mortise and tenon, a task <laughs> I have yet to tackle. I'm glad that Matt doesn't insult my work, though he was eerily quiet on this particular episode. Uh, Despite these direct jabs, I've been a loyal listener for several years now and will continue. While I'm aware of my woodworking projects may not be as uh, top, always top notch, they get me out in the garage and help me to relieve stress and I enjoy what work I do. I do aspire to take it up a notch and mix in more exotic woods when the opportunity presents itself, but for now, I'll keep cutting away at my scroll saw. Thanks for the great shows, guys. It greatly increases my awareness of the hobby and helps me understand what my next steps and goals are. Keep up the great content. So thank you very much. And we, we apologize for those insults. But, you know, it's kind of like family. You know, you always hurt the ones you love. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and it's because we love you that we're able to punch you in the butt like that. So, right. You know, and, and it doesn't hurt you to branch out. Maybe try some turning. You can turn some knitting needles to go with that scroll saw work you do. Well, you know, I'm actually, I think as I post pictures of work that I do and I have people make comments like, oh, I wish I could do that. I want to start a new hashtag and I'm not making a joke here. It's serious. I'm starting a new hashtag that's uh, going to say elevate your game. Uh, and I think a lot of people could use that uh, sort of mantra in their in their lives. Like, if you don't want to, fine, don't. But if you look, <laughs> I mean, you can do what you want is the bottom line. And whatever makes you happy makes you happy. But if you look at other people's work and you leave comments like, man, man, I wish I could do that. Well, you can do that. You just need to take the time to learn it, practice it and do it. So it, it's sort of like a call to action to people to to go to the next level. If you've been building with pocket screws for years, maybe it's time to try a mortise and tenon. You know, and if you've been doing mortise and tenons, maybe it's time to do a through mortise and tenon. Uh, I thought you were going to suggest we try pocket screws. Or go back to pocket screws. Uh, <laughs> Turnabout's fair play, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I honestly think that, that that's a good thing for the woodworking community to try to do is to improve your skills, improve your game. I see. I'm going to start a hashtag also. This is uh, shut up and do it. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah, shut Matt, up and do it. Matt's going to be yeah. a little more aggressive uh, yeah. and that's okay. He has nothing to lose now with his big high paying job. Yeah. Or, or it might also be like hashtag. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you wish you could. Or how about uh, who's better than me? 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Does that ring a bell? <laughs> well, actually, I know. A few anybody people. who I mean, if uh, I was referring to myself, anybody but. who remembers our buddy T. Chisel, his early days on the internet. Who, who's better than me? <laughs> who's better than me? <laughs> Love it. All right, well, Matt. How about, show. <laughs> how about you give him the contact info, and we'll get out of here. All right, hey folks, do you have a comment, question, topic, suggestion, or have you also been insulted by one of us, probably Mark or Shannon? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you? You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at six two three two four two five one eight zero. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you'll find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Wonderful. Well, hey, welcome back, Matt, and I hope you can make it for another show. This was a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, So I will talk to you guys probably in uh, March. (laughs) That'd be wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Show up and do it.